Some studies show us that 75% of overeating is caused by emotions. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, TV guest expert, and author. After self-hacking my mind and body to lose 30 pounds, I now help busy, overwhelmed women use stress as their superpower so that they can rise above it and become more calm, resilient, and physically fit. Each week, not only will you learn nutrition and stress management habits, you'll also learn about the power of food to enhance your mental and physical well-being and how to overcome your battles with living a healthier lifestyle. The secret to eating healthier, improving your mood, and increasing your energy are not only about what you put in your stomach, it's also about what's going on in your brain. So congratulations on showing up. I promise to support you on your health journey with every single episode. Let's begin. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. This is culinary nutritionist Trudy Stone, and I am so grateful you tuned in today. Happy New Year. Depending on when you're listening to this episode, it's probably the beginning of the new year. So I hope you had a fun-filled holiday season with your friends and family. So now that a new year is upon us, it is time to talk about your health goals. Specifically, we're talking about weight loss over 40 in this episode. So you're over 40 years old and you want to lose weight. You probably already know that it's a lot harder to lose weight when you're over 40. One person tells you you need to eat low carbs. Another person tells you you need to do intermittent fasting. Someone else tells you you need to deprive yourself of your favorite foods. Please don't do that. That doesn't work, by the way. All you want is a week-by-week plan that tells you exactly what you need to do to start to lose weight. Well, you're in luck because in this episode, that's exactly what I'm going to be sharing with you. So make sure to grab a notebook and a pen and let's get started. Okay, so I'm going to go through things week by week. But first, before I even do that, I want to talk about your what I, call, what I like to call your prep phase. And that is knowing your why. Okay, this is the first thing that you should be doing to prepare you for your journey. Okay, so I have one important question for you. What is your why? You need to have a strong and clear why as to why you want to lose weight. Because when your why is strong, you can do anything. So what is that fire that stirs you? What is it that's going to make you wake up and say, I'm going to do this even when I don't feel like it? What is it that's going to make you say, I will do whatever it takes to overcome temptation, quit, or making excuses? Maybe that's, you know, ending joint pain. Maybe you're carrying excess weight and you have a lot of joint pain. You know, it could be wanting to see your kids grow up, right? Maybe you're concerned about your health and what carrying excess weight is doing to your health. And you want to be there for your kids to see them graduate from high school. In university, you want to be able to meet your grandparents. Whatever the reason is, it's so important to have a clear and strong why, because it's going to be your reason that you take action each and every day. The reason why you want to achieve your goal of losing weight, it has to be bigger than any excuse you have not to take action. All right, so let's get into week number one awareness of current habits. The first step in losing weight or just eating healthier in general is to have awareness of your food habits. So here's the thing. We often think that we're doing better than we're actually doing. Am I right? So I remember when I was trying to lose weight and I was a cookie monster. I still kind of am a cookie monster, okay? (laughs) That's why I had to develop the healthy holiday cookies um, over the holiday season. But I loved cookies, right? There wasn't a cookie that I didn't like. I ate them all, right? So I had a real problem with that. 
And I always kept these cookies like on my kitchen counter in plain sight. So every single time I walked to the kitchen counter, there they were just greeting me. They're like, Trudy, eat me. I taste so. Right. So they were always there. Um, and so where I started with actually before I even get that to that, the other thing I had an issue with was sugar. I was dumping a lot of sugar in my coffee each and every day. And in fact, that's actually where I started. I started with, you know, cutting back the amount of sugar in my coffee. Okay. And I'm going to get to um, a tool that's going to help you in just a minute. And I'm going to come back to the cookie story. Okay. But before I do that, I want to talk about sugar sweetened beverages because sugar sweetened beverages are the main source of added sugar in the American diet. Those who consume the most sweetened drinks have the highest rates of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, and cancer. So, that's where I started. Okay. I started with beverages. Uh, and once I started adding less sugar into my coffee, I moved on to the next goal. So getting that one win under my belt of adding less sugar to my coffee every single day, that gave me the motivation to move forward. So how do you gain more awareness of your eating habits? With a food journal. And guys, if you've heard me on the podcast here before, you've heard me talk about the food journal and how instrumental it was to my personal journey, as well as my clients, but it's not just me and my clients. There's actually studies that show this as well. Studies show that people who use a food journal lose twice the amount of weight than those who don't. Again, I'm living proof of that because that's where I started. So in week one, you're building your roadmap, which the journal will reveal to you. Doing this for, I would recommend doing it for at least seven days. This is going to give you a lot of data to work with. A food journal helps you to get awareness of what, when, why, and how much you're eating. It helps you to get from where you are to where you want to go. The food journal will also help you to better understand your eating habits, triggers, and your emotional relationship with food. So I really suggest even tracking down what the thoughts or the emotions you experienced when you craved those foods. Now, people don't understand what their triggers are that cause them to overeat or to have bad habits. And there are five common habit triggers. I cover all five in my book, Unbreakable, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to touch on the two most common triggers for bad habits. As someone who struggled to lose weight, I could identify with both of these. So as I share these triggers with you, think about any bad eating habits you have and pay close attention to which trigger resonates with you the most. Time is perhaps the most common habit trigger. So for example, grabbing a cookie or maybe a latte with extra whip at the same time each afternoon. The next time that craving hits, ask yourself how you're feeling at that moment. In most cases, your habits are an indication of how you feel at the moment. It could be boredom, stress, or even anxiety. If you understand why that habit pops up at the same time each day, then it will be easier to replace that habit. So the next trigger is your environment. Now, before I go to handle all my bad habits, as I mentioned earlier, I always kept cookies in plain sight on my kitchen counter. Sometimes I ate them not because I wanted them, but because they were there right in front of me. If you can relate, then you understand the power of location. Location or environment is one of the most powerful triggers of bad or mindless habits. Take some time to capture which trigger you fall prey to the most in your food journal. Okay, so earlier I said, you know, sometimes we think we're doing a lot better than we're actually doing. And that's what I found out when I was using the food journal, right? So when I was starting to lose weight, I didn't know where to start. And I had learned about the um, advantages and the benefits of using a food journal. And I didn't want to do it at first. I was like, I'm not tracking my food. That's ridiculous. Like, I don't have time for that. That's, that's, that sucks, right? <laughs> and that's what a lot of people think at first. But 
when they use the food journal, it's actually a very eye-opening experience. Because like I said earlier, a lot of times we think we're doing better than we're actually doing. So I did the food journal. I did it for about a week and I started tracking what I was eating. Um, I knew I had an issue with cookies. Okay. But I didn't realize how deep my love affair was with cookies. <laughs> I thought, okay, I'm eating cookies maybe like a couple times a week. Like maybe I'll have like two here on a Tuesday night, maybe another two on a Thursday night while I'm watching Scandal or whatever the show was on Thursday nights. Right. Grey's Anatomy. Um, when I did the food journal, I was like, I was eating like four cookies. Okay. Almost daily, every single night. And I was like, oh my God. So that was one thing. Right. And then the thing, the other thing that I realized was I was dumping a lot of sugar in my coffee. And here's the thing, like a lot of our habits are just on autopilot. We don't even think about those things that we do day in and day out. They're just a habit, right? So think, for example, when you get in your car, when you're about to go out, you get in your car, you put it in reverse and you reverse out of your driveway. You don't think about doing any of those things, do you? Probably not, because it's now just a habit. You're on autopilot. So that's where I was with my coffee. So I would jump off of the train. I would run into the Starbucks. I would dump like four or five packs of sugar into my coffee every single morning. I'd get in the elevator. I'd go upstairs to my office. I was doing that every single day on autopilot, not even thinking about it. It was only when I started using the food journal, I was like, oh my God, like I'm throwing so much sugar in my coffee every single day. So those are the two issues I had. Those are the two main, there was a lot of issues when it came to my eating habits. Um, but those are the two main issues I had. So I knew the cookie thing was going to be a little bit hard for me to tackle up front. So I went with the sugar and the coffee. I'm like, okay, I'd rather eat my sugar rather than drink it. So let me start with the coffee and putting less sugar on my coffee every single day. So that's where I started. So that's why I say, you know, sometimes we think we're doing better than we're actually doing. But then the food journal, it actually allows you to clearly see in black and white what your habits are. And it's so important because like I said earlier, your habits are on autopilot. You're not thinking about them. So this is why it's so powerful to write this information down. It's going to give you a lot of data to work with. If you ever said to yourself, I don't know where to start, this is where you start. All right, so week two, start small. <laughs> so many people give up because they feel overwhelmed. They feel overwhelmed because they try to change everything at once. This is why the food journal is so important because it helps you to know where to start and helps to identify triggers. This is where I started on my weight loss journey. Again, I started tracking how much sugar I was putting into my coffee every single day, right? So that was my starting point. So again, refer to your food journal and notice any patterns for your bad eating habits. And here's the game changer, the power of starting small. Often the idea of making a drastic change overwhelms us, leading to procrastination. But what if you started with just one small change? It could be as simple as swapping a sugary snack for a piece of fruit or taking the stairs instead of taking the elevator. By breaking down your health goals into manageable steps, you're not only making them more achievable, but you're creating a sense of accomplishment that fuels further motivation. If you need help with a step-by-step -step plan, then I want to encourage you to join my Swap It, Don't Stop It challenge. During the challenge, you'll be able to develop a mindset of success instead of sabotage, eat healthier without giving up your favorite foods, release deprivation, and instead learn how to make smarter choices and swaps. Enjoy the foods you love without worrying about waking. Make sustainable changes that are easy to implement into your daily life. Simple swaps combined with a success mindset can make a world of difference when you're looking to lose or maintain your weight or to just eat healthy more consistently. The challenge is on demand, so you'll have access to it instantly when you sign up. I've dropped a link in the show notes so you can check it out. So again, ask yourself, what small realistic step can I take today towards my health goals? 
One of them may be joining my challenge. In terms of starting small, when it comes to nutrition, this is where I suggest you start. Tracking your protein intake. You need more protein to build and maintain muscle because you lose muscle mass over the age of 40. So you should be getting one gram of protein for every one pound of body weight. So, for example, if you weigh over 170 pounds, go for your goal body weight. Okay, so if you're 170 and maybe you want to weigh 150, eat 150 grams of protein per day. Get protein at every single meal or snack. So, for example, this could be Greek yogurt or it could be protein shakes. You can also use a tracker like um, MyFitnessPal to stay on track. I'll also share a few more ways that you can start small because these are the areas that I see a lot of women struggle with. Another suggestion to start small is to reduce alcohol intake. Binge drinking and over drinking wine and alcohol in general is very problematic and also ages you fast. And I say wine because typically the clients that I have, as well as a lot of women in their 40s, they're not really drinking. Some of them are drinking like, you know, the harder stuff, but many of them are drinking wine. Okay, there's too much to unpack here. So um, I recommend that you go back and listen to the past couple episodes or past couple guests I've had on the show. I've had two amazing guests that have shared their tips in terms of reducing alcohol intake. So I'll, re- I'll link to them in the show notes for you guys. But I say wine specifically because it's a lot of women in their 40s and 50s that are tending to turn to wine more frequently. Okay, so take the time to identify triggers using your food journal. Okay, when and why do you drink alcohol? So I started uh, cutting back, I would say probably about a couple of years ago now. Um, and I, I realized that on Friday night, it was, I had this thing in my brain where it was, it's Friday night, I've had a long week, I deserve a drink. Does that sound familiar? Have you ever said that to yourself? Well, that's where I was. And I knew that if I wanted to drink less alcohol, I had to break that habit. Okay, so that's where I started when it came to drinking less alcohol. I started to just stop drinking on Friday nights. Okay. Cause I was drinking Friday night and I was drinking Saturday night, but the Friday night was like, Oh my God, it's Friday, TGIF. I worked so hard all week. I deserve a drink. And a lot of people think this, right? Um, so that's where I started. And what I did was I started looking at like other non-alcohol alternatives. So I found this really great, um, non-alcoholic, um, rosé and it tasted so delicious by the way. Um, so I found that and I started replacing that for my wine. Okay. And then after that, I also started using things like kombucha, right? So I started using kombucha, which is actually really great for gut health, right? And your gut, when you have a, when your gut is in the right place or when your gut is performing optimally, then it also helps to enhance your mood, right? So I knew that drinking kombucha, it was going to give me kind of that fizzy kind of like special drink feeling, but I knew I was also doing something to improve my mood as well. So I felt like I was kind of checking two boxes. So then I started transitioning to drinking kombucha. And I would get like one of my nicest wine glasses and I'd put it in the wine glass and I would drink it. And that's where I started because I really wanted to break that habit because I was an autopilot with the, remember we talked about that earlier, right? I was an autopilot with it's Friday night, I deserve a drink. So that's where I started um, with drinking less alcohol. So again, do whatever works for you. But if you do need some tips and some strategies, I had two amazing guests on the show. So make sure to check out those episodes. I've linked them in the show notes for you. Okay, so another way that you can start small Oh, this is a tough one to talk about, but to forget about low carb, low calorie diets. Now, look, I know this is not popular opinion, but they don't work. Not in the long run anyway. Okay. Anytime you restrict or cut out food groups, you're creating an unhealthy relationship with food. And besides, you need carbs for brain health and mood. 
But yes, the right carbs do matter. Now, leading up to perimenopause, you have a lot of inflammation in your body, which can be a barrier to weight loss and losing fat. For example, too much stress raises cortisol. Not enough sleep throws off your hormones, so the hormones like ghrelin and leptin, which makes you hungry, which ultimately affects your decision-making capability. Okay, so you want to reach for those healthier forms of carbs instead. Like I really like things like sweet potatoes, for example. That's probably like one of like my favorite, um, you know, slow carbs. There's also things like cauliflower, zucchini, um, berries. Those are actually really, really great sources of carbs. I did an episode. I don't remember off the top of my head what episode number it was, but I thought I did an episode on um, healthy carbs for weight loss. If I do find that, I will link to that in the show notes so you guys can check that out. But, you know, I'll, I'll talk about cauliflower specifically. I wasn't planning on talking about this in this week's episode, but um, I'll talk about um, cauliflower specifically. Um, cauliflower is actually a low carb vegetable, right? Um, and that's a, a really great way to replace potatoes. That's what I was doing on my weight loss journey. I started replacing potatoes. So I like making, well, back then I don't make it as much anymore, but I was making like um, a shepherd's pie. Um, I would do like um, a plant-based version of shepherd's pie where I did like a lot of vegetables and I would do like kidney beans and it tasted amazing. But what I would do was I would do like half potatoes and half mashed cauliflower just to cut down the amount of carbs. Okay. So again, you don't have to go all in. Maybe you do like the half-half situation. So if you like mashed potatoes, just do half mashed potatoes and half mashed cauliflower, right? Cauliflower, cauliflower rice is like everywhere these days. You can even just buy cauliflower rice in your, your frozen fruit section of your grocery store. So I use that. Um, I actually did a, a segment on City Line, which is one of the TV shows I'm on. Um, I did a segment on City Line doing like a cauliflower stir fry. Tastes absolutely delicious, okay? So you can use like healthier carbs like that, like zucchini. Um, zucchini is also another really great one. It's one of my favorite vegetables, actually. Um, it's actually on the list of low glycemic. I wasn't talking, was gonna, wasn't gonna talk about this, but I just want to give you guys all the tips. I just want to help you succeed. Um, so zucchini is on the list of low glycemic index foods, which means that it's gonna help you to control your blood sugar and help with controlling cravings. Right? Excellent conditions for helping you to manage weight. As a bonus, zucchini really helps to bulk up meals without added fat and calories. Right? They're also high in fiber as well, which is gonna help to support your metabolism. Okay, and that's also another thing that happens to women as they age, their metabolism um, tends to slow down. So with zucchini, um, there's so many different things you can do with zucchini. I like adding it to soups. On my website, I have a delicious recipe for um, a zucchini bisque. Oh my God, it's, it's so good. It tastes amazing. Um, I'll link to that. Oh my God, so many links. I'm going to see if I can remember all these, but I will link to that in the show notes for you guys as well. Um, but that's one way I like using it in my soups. I always like roasting. When I, whenever I roast vegetables, zucchini is always in the mix of roasting vegetables. I also like to spiralize it. So another thing I was doing on my weight loss journey was I was making turkey meatballs. So I would make like turkey meatballs and then I would spiralize some zucchini. I just got like a spiralizer off of Amazon, like 20 bucks, spiralize the zucchini. And then I just ate that with the turkey. So it was like turkey, it was like turkey meatballs and like zucchini spirals. So it was, it was delicious. It was like spaghetti and meatballs, right? I'm telling you, it tasted absolutely delicious. So there's different ways to, you know, add in these low carb foods or these healthy sources of carbs and still taste good. Another um, healthy form of carbs is popcorn, right? So, but here's a disclaimer with popcorn. I'd rather have you guys buy like the actual loose kernels of popcorn versus the microwave popcorn. Microwave popcorn has all sorts of additives. I don't have time to go into that in, in today's episode, but 
all sorts of harmful additives. So I'd much rather have you guys buy the loose kernels of popcorn and just pop it on the stove. It tastes so much better anyways. But that's actually a really great source of fiber and a, um, a great healthy carb as well if you're trying to lose weight and a great snack too. All right, so another way you can start small is to focus on foods that enhance your gut health. When you're over 40, your gut starts to change due to changes in your hormones. Check with your doctor first, but taking a probiotic may help. Some signs that your gut is not functioning optimally include bloating. Um, foods are difficult to digest. Dairy and gluten are actually the biggest culprits. Also, what's good for your gut is good for your brain and your mood. Serotonin, which is responsible for making you feel calm, it actually aids the body in coping with symptoms of depression, stress, and anxiety. Okay, So serotonin is actually produced in the gut. So women that have low levels of serotonin are more prone to anxiety, depression, and binge eating. Again, this neurotransmitter is produced in the gut. So when you're stressed out, it affects your gut health, which affects your mental health. Another thing you can do to start small is to reduce processed foods. Probably thinking that is not starting small, girl, because I cannot let go of my processed foods. Bear with me here, okay? Because especially when you're in your 40s, processed foods really disrupt hormones. Um, because a lot of processed foods have something called emulsifiers. Emulsifiers are typically added to foods to, appear, um, to improve like the appearance and the texture of food. So you'll find them in things like salad dressings, ice cream, coffee creamers. That's a big one because I know a lot of women love their coffee creamers. Okay, so you want to check the ingredient label and just see if there's any emulsifiers like hanging out in there. Also, many women know what they need to do or eat, but they can't get around to doing it and feel like weight loss or eating healthy is deprivation or torture. They also have strong cravings for sugary foods. Now, there could be a lot of reasons for this and also certain nutrient deficiencies as well. Some women can, you know, eat really healthy throughout the day, but then things fall apart during the evenings or especially on the weekends, and then they eat a lot of high sugar or high salt foods. Then you feel like you can't control your cravings and you feel out of control with food. Lack of sleep and stress can also cause you to have these cravings, so you also need to manage both. But I want to talk about stress first. Stress can have devastating long-term consequences for your health as well as your weight loss efforts. Some studies show that high cortisol levels can increase appetite and make you store more abdominal fat. So increased cortisol leads to more stomach fat, and increased cortisol leads to chronic inflammation in your body. Now, sometimes it can feel like stress is all around us. I get it. We're trying to meet more demands than ever before, and our self-care routine gets pushed by the wayside. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever been stressed out and immediately wanted to reach for that comfort food? Well, that's your body on stress. Some studies show us that 75% of overeating is caused by emotions. If you're like most people, then you probably turn to food to handle stress. When we're stressed, we typically turn to foods like white flour, sugar, and fried foods, which increase inflammation and stress hormone production. So stress leads to bad food choices and poor sleep habits, which lead to internal stress. Also, we talked about neurotransmitters earlier. Well, when you're stressed, it wears out your neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine. Those are the feel-good um, feel hormones. Now, stress plays a really big part in your overall health and, most importantly, your ability to lose weight avoid disease, and live a healthier lifestyle. Continuous stress takes a toll on your body and your immune system. It makes you more susceptible to disease, colds, and the flu, and is also a major contributor to weight gain. So if you're a stress eater or an emotional eater, what can you do? 
incorporate healthy food swaps. Here's why. You can't break a bad habit. You have to replace it. If you're finding it hard to control your eating, and if you feel like you can never resist your favorite foods, then my Swap It, Don't Stop It challenge will help you with two things. Healthy replacements for your favorite foods and how to achieve the mindset for success. Mindset really is the foundation for weight loss or any changes in your life. Again, there's the link in the show notes for you guys if you want to check that out. All right, so week three, we want to celebrate those non-scale victories. So people get so tied to the number on the scale. Let's face it, losing weight takes hard work. But many who start the journey obsess over the number on the scale as the only way to measure progress. And I've been there too, so I know exactly what that's like. I would just keep stepping on the scale, stepping on the scale, and just watching to see if the number was going down and getting discouraged when it didn't, right? But there's so many milestones that you'll reach on your way to hitting your target weight. And you owe it to yourself to celebrate. Once you start noticing these milestones, you'll be even more motivated to keep practicing your healthy habits as you continue your journey to a healthier you, okay? I'm gonna chat more about milestones in a second. But non-scale victories are extremely important to push you during your overall transformation. Um, Let's say, for example, only eating one slice of cake for dessert when you would normally have two, or maybe walking up a flight of stairs at work instead of taking the elevator. These are simple examples of victories you can score off of the scale that ultimately lead to your success on the scale. So some other non-scale victory examples include maybe not eating fast food for a week or maybe eating you know, less fast food during the week, um, getting off medication, climbing stairs without being out of breath, sleeping through the night without waking up. All right, week four. How are you going to be held accountable? What will you do when you fall off track? Sometimes when making changes in our lives, especially the difficult ones, it comes down to accountability. Who can you get to hold you accountable for the things that you say you're going to do? By having an accountability partner, you can accelerate the process of reaching your health goals. This is where I struggled for a long time. I lost so much time. In fact, I wish that I realized sooner the power of accountability. So who can you get to hold you accountable? I often find with my clients that they don't want to tell people when they're trying to lose weight or eat healthier because they think to themselves, well, if I tell people um, that I'm trying to lose weight or eat healthier, then that doesn't actually happen or I fall off the wagon, then I'm going to feel bad, right? But right there, you're already setting yourself up for failure. Pay close attention to the language that you use. Instead of thinking about all the things that could go wrong, think of all the things that could go right. Those things that extend even beyond weight loss, like more confidence in yourself, younger looking skin, a better sex drive, more energy. Finding someone to keep you accountable is also helpful for feedback and reinforcement. It can be helpful to get feedback from outside sources. Um, Maybe having a friend or a health coach regularly checking in with you can provide an external measuring stick. Feedback about your diet or exercise routine can provide motivation or help you to adjust your behavior or troubleshoot. Outside feedback can also help you to keep your expectations ambitious, but realistic. And again, this is so important because a lot of women in their 40s have tried to lose weight many times before. Maybe were successful at it, but then weren't able to keep it off, right? So maybe you've been on this weight loss hamster wheel of losing it and gaining it back and losing it and gaining it back, or maybe just starting, but then just not losing anything. You start again, you still don't lose anything, right? So because of that, a lot of women have fear around starting again. 
they also have fear about sharing their goals with the people that they're closest with, right? Their friends and their family. But again, it's so important to get the accountability that you need. Um, you know, one thing you can do is, well, there's a, a really great quote, by the way, that says something like, be careful who you share your dreams with. And I believe that 100% because there are some people in our lives that let's just face it, are dream killers. So you also have to be careful of, yes, you want the accountability from your friends and family, but you also have to look at your friends, look at your list of friends and say, okay, if I were to tell this friend that I want to lose weight, would you support me? Right? So look at the list of friends that you have and try to see if you can find friends who maybe have the habits that you, are, that you want to develop, right? Maybe that's a friend that you tell that, hey, you know what? I'm trying to lose weight right now. I'm on this weight loss journey. Like, can you share some tips with me and things that have helped you, right? Again, it could be a health coach. Sometimes it's even, a, a, you know, like a virtual health coach. Maybe there's somebody on YouTube that you can watch. Maybe it's me. I don't know. Maybe it's listening to the podcast, right? So again, you have to find that person that's going to help to keep you accountable. Don't underestimate this because there's so much studies that show the power of accountability. So that's it for this episode about losing weight over 40. I really hope that you guys learned some tips that's really going to help to propel your weight loss goals or your healthy eating goals in the new year. I'll just do a quick recap. I don't normally do a recap, but I know I covered a lot in this episode. I feel like I was talking a lot. Um, so I'll just do a quick recap of what it looks like week by week. So week one is awareness of your current habits. OK, you do that with the food journal. Track what you're eating for seven days. Week two is to start small. Once you use that food journal and you kind of see what the problem areas are, pick one. One thing. Remember, I talked about my coffee example and wanting to put less sugar in the coffee. Pick one thing from that food journal that you identified and start working on that one thing. OK, week three, you want to make sure that you are celebrating those non-scale victories. OK, so maybe now if you know, putting less sugar in coffee, let's say if that's your thing, maybe in week three, now you're noticing, hey, like, you know, there's two days of the week where I put you know, less sugar in my coffee. Celebrate that. All right. Celebrate those victories off the scale because that's going to help you to celebrate the victories on the scale. Week four, how are you going to be held accountable? Who's going to be your accountability buddy? Who are you going to tap into in your network to hold you accountable for your health goals? Who can you get to hold you accountable for the things you say that you're going to do? So I also want you to think about who that person is. So again, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I placed all those links for you guys in the show notes. I really hope I remember what they all are. <laughs> But again, if you guys ever wanted to connect with me, um, please find me over on Instagram. I would actually love to hear what you thought about the episode. Um, my Instagram links are in the show notes as well if you want to hop over there. And if you could leave a review, if you enjoyed this episode, if you found even one juicy tip from this episode that you're going to take to help you to improve your health goals in 2024, I would love if you could just please leave me a review on iTunes. Reviews are so important for the future of this podcast. So if you can go ahead and leave me that review on iTunes, that would be so greatly appreciated. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mind Your Body Show. I hope that you learned something new to help you transform your life and your body. For more after the show, make sure to head over to TrudyEStone.com. That's where you'll find all of the show notes. Also, make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating to let us know what you thought about the episode. And remember, get your mind right and your body will follow. Thanks for tuning in.